Welcome to the Focus Podcast. I am your host, Eric Chivi, and today I am joined by a special guest. He is the CEO of Hip Hop Hopper, a musician, a foodie, and a photographer, and all-around artist from the Bay Area. He goes by Casey. Casey, thanks for joining me on the Focus Podcast today. How you doing? Thank you so much, brother. I really appreciate it. And first off, I just want to thank you also for this opportunity to be on the Focus Podcast and... Man, what a what a great intro. I felt that energy. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir, man. Well, you're doing great stuff and you live a distinct lifestyle, Casey. So <laughs> give us give our audience a glimpse into your world. As of late, what's been your current focus? What's been on your mind? What's been on your plate in these last few days? Oof. Oh my gosh. I mean, lately, no sleep. <laughs> oh, why? Why is that? <laughs> the reason being is because um I've been quite busy doing like quite a several few projects um, that mm-hmm. entails whether I'm doing content creation on uh, several social media platforms, such as uh, doing uh, food blogs mm-hmm. or making comedy skits. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the most important thing that's been now currently taking up a lot of my time is I'm currently working on an album and this is my very first album. Uh, I am a musician, so I, uh, I'm a vocalist. And mm-hmm. I also play the the piano as well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then um, aside from that, I'm also uh, a promoter at uh, a nightclub uh, in San Francisco. It's called Arena SF. And mm-hmm. in the daytime, crazy enough, I'm a limo driver. <laughs> so, yes, okay. all over the place. <laughs> yes, man. Yes, I love it, man. Well, we're definitely going to get into all of those details and you know just give us a quick glimpse into where did all this creative journey start for you i think it all started at at preschool you know Mm. um i had such a wild imagination and i don't know if people still know of this really cool toys called legos Mm -hmm. legos really just expanded my mind as you just creating stuff and Mm. then that just me being hands-on kind of just translated into like a more sonic type of way. And what do I mean by that is I started to get into music uh, at the age of five, basically how it all began. I was at preschool and just me playing with my Legos. My preschool teacher informed my mother that I had a good singing voice, but however, my mom did not really kind of like believe in that teacher because you know she was just thinking maybe she's just making some generic comment Mm -hmm. however my mom figured out that i was um you know i guess made to sing when we went to a a catholic church because we grew up catholic and when we went to mass i picked up a hymnal book and i was just being an obedient little boy and i was just singing the songs that we were supposed to sing and an elderly woman tapped my mom on her shoulder and told her that like your son can sing really beautifully so then my mom turned and started to listen to me and she started to realize like oh wow like like my son actually has has a has a gift for this mm-hmm. and so then ever since then she just encouraged and pushed me to you know just pursue uh this artistic route with music mm. and what role does music play in your life and has it played in your life oh my gosh music has saved my life music has it's been like a really tough relationship you know where i don't want music i get mad at music but then like i can't live without music 
Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a like a love hate relationship for the longest time growing up, mm-hmm. and I think it just all just started with just being conflicted with which style of music I identified myself as. So. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that, growing up, I had to learn how to play classical piano and I had to be classically trained singing. Mm. And so classical piano is really intense. It's very rigorous, uh, very kind of like strict to the book. Like you have to play exactly everything that is written by a composer that's, you know, lived several, several, several like decades ago centuries ago mm-hmm. and you know i just remember i just got fed up there was like multiple times when i was little i would start banging on the on my piano and i would just be so frustrated and then my poor poor mother she would just you know just try and like encourage me like hey like it's okay and honestly the the way to like make me like be at peace mm-hmm. is like she would say to me mijo are you hungry? <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yeah, I am. <laughs> so when she gave me food, right. oh man, I was like, I think I, I think I could do this music thing. <laughs> but, but, but I think like the, the driving force is when I f- finally performed live in front of an audience, hmm. when I, I remember my very first performance was at a talent show when mm-hmm. I was in kindergarten Mm-hmm. And I sang this song called Three Little Cats. Uh, and I, I, I learned this song from like this video game from Windows 95. So I'm mm-hmm. going way back. I don't know if people still kind of remember what uh, a big desktop where you have a floppy disk, CD drives, you got to put it in there. Right. The old school computers. The old school. Yeah. Yes. We're going way back. You're right. <laughs> so, anyways, there was, I had like this like child game and. Mm-hmm there was like this song called three little cats and I thought it was like really dope. It was fire. Um, so then I performed that song at this talent show. And when I finished singing, I experienced the longest second of my life because it was completely silent. And out in my head, I thought, wow, like I just embarrassed myself in front of the entire school. But after that second was up, everyone just stood up and they just roared with just applause and just hearing people clapping their hands and shouting my name. It just brought chills to my spine. And at that very moment, that's when I became addicted to just performing and just perfecting my craft. Mm. Absolutely. And so how did that uh, inspire your process of writing and recording your own music? Yeah, so it, it's it's been a long journey. So, you know, growing up, like I said, I was just classically trained and, you know, I had to just follow things just strict to the book or however the composer intended it to be. Right. And I just it was kind of hard for me to just connect. I was like, I get it. Like, yes, like there's like a lot of great music that was written, but it, it wasn't my creation. It wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel satisfied. I was like, basically just hyping up someone else's art, but this is not my own thing. Mm -hmm. And So I have to just shout out this nonprofit music organization Mm 
that was just elevated my whole music education, my music ability of just learning how to compose, learning how to read music, learning how to hear music. Mm -hmm. um, it's called the Young Musicians Program. It's They were founded in Berkeley, UC Berkeley. Okay. Anyways, so um, I remember they would just constantly just train me to just really dissect music in different formats. Mm -hmm. And I remember there was one summer where we had to just begin writing our own songs. And I was like, whoa, like this is, this is kind of scary. I, I'm not, I've never done this before. What age was this? This, I was, oh, I was age. But teenage. Age, ele 11, 11 years old. Wow. Okay. Before even a teenager. Old, wow. Before a teenager. And mm -hmm. I remember I just, I was playing something simple and, and I was really proud of myself. And I remember my teacher, like, they really liked it. And it was like a it was like a poppy type of song. It, it just steered away from classical. Mm -hmm. And so because growing up, I would listen to a lot of like pop music or hip hop specifically. Uh, but most importantly, R&B, like R&B was like my thing. Mm -hmm. Anyways, um, that was just like my first and only time in a long time that I like experimented on composing. Mm. But then I didn't touch um you know my notepad or the piano to create anything until several years fast forward to 2021 so from when i was 11 years old mm -hmm. all the way up to when i was what like 20 27 28 years old i uh i figured out maybe i think it's time for me to compose my own stuff and and how did I get there? It's 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 a it's a pretty deep deep uh path. Uh, growing up, I I was bullied a lot, mm -hmm. and because of me being bullied, I had the lowest self confidence. Mm -hmm. And because I had the lowest self confidence, I just didn't believe in myself. I just and and, and it kind of reflected like me like that was like kind of like that love hate relationship of me performing because. There's moments where I, I would like kind of believe in myself, but not fully believe in myself. Like when people started cheering, I was like, all right, cool, I'm doing something. But then because I just got bullied, like just this other voice inside of my head was telling me, like, you're not worth anything. You're not going to do good in music. Like you're just horrible. All this stuff, all this negativity. And so I never really addressed those issues until what we call i think uh the whole world kind of experience is the pandemic mm -hmm. in 2020 that's when everyone was forced to stay indoors and for me i i realized i never addressed any of these haunting issues because i would always distract myself from doing something i would always go out and about doing something like doing some random project meeting with friends whatever it may be but i never sat down and just reflected. So when the pandemic happened, that's when I, uh, I a, a lot of people just started to like elevate their spiritualism. Mm -hmm. I, and I saw it on social media. Right. And so I was curious. I started listening. I was like, huh, like what's all this thing about spirituality, about like self-love, about divine timing, mm -hmm. all, all, all this. I was like, this is foreign. Anyways, uh, as... I continued to stay at home. I realized um, 
I, I started to just feel weird about interacting with the world because I was so used to interacting with the world. So to be forced to be at home and not interact with the world, it started to get to me. And then mm -hmm. I started to overthink quite a lot. And this overthinking got more intense that it led into depression and anxiety. And this is my first time ever experiencing that. I did not know what it was. And I remember growing up, I would always hear a lot of people tell me about this. And now that I finally went through it, I finally can empathize with those that have been dealing with it for several years. Mm -hmm. So through this exciting depression, uh, I remember there was just a specific day where I legit just fell to the floor and I started screaming. I don't know where that came from. And ever since I did that, I, I forgot to laugh. I forgot to smile. I forgot how to just talk to him. I just became silent. And I remember my family, my my mother were like, you know, really just trying and remind me of who I was. I remember my brother, he would, you know, find different ways to make me laugh, but I was just dead. I just, I did not know what happened to me. I just lost myself. And, and then that's when I started to finally just search deeper within I started to pray more and 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 I will start journaling because I never journaled either and so mm. after that you know from journaling to praying to going on long walks with my mom and crying to her and telling her mom like is this ever going to end like am I ever going to smile again am I ever going to laugh again am I ever going to just be myself am I ever am I ever going to just live again with with just going through all of that motion, I started to take the first paths of self-love. I started to take the first paths of healing my inner child. I started to take the first paths of just acceptance, mm -hmm. of letting go, of rebuilding. And with all of that, with that entire struggle around 2021, around like july august i finally broke free from that vicious cycle of darkness mm -hmm. and because of that i was able to finally believe in myself believe in my art and then that's when i heard of this competition uh from a a, a, a local studio in richmond california mm -hmm. and they said that winner would get um, a free music video and, and studio session if they can write a song with the beat that they made. Mm -hmm. And that's when I wrote my first song called Breakthrough, which was released on November 2021. Wow. And Breakthrough just talked about everything of what I've been through, through, through the depression, through the bullying, through even just like suicidal attempts and and that song just meant a lot to me because I was breaking free from all these chains that just suppressed me from being my my higher self mm -hmm. and ever since I made that song the rest is history I've just been constantly making music after music after music Wow, that's powerful, brother. I mean, just to hear that whole creative process, you know, of 
what you went through and, you know, um, you know, you being vulnerable enough to share, you know, um, openly with our audience and, um, you know, definitely congratulations to you for going through that healing process and journey. And, you know, healing is a lifelong journey. So, you know, congrats to you on, you know, being able to, you know, speak on that openly and, you know, that, that's definitely very important. And, and, and more particularly as a man, you know, you don't really hear that, um, such a, a discussion that's um open like it's not a really open dialogue especially for again for man for men in general it's just not so accustomed and to hear you you know obviously as an artist and as as a man and as a, a, just a creative you know talk about your journey in in that process and you recording and releasing your first song and it's called breakthrough you know just, it's just a wonderful journey to to see you know you know so, and and I have to give my flowers to to the right person. And that that goes back to my mother because mm -hmm. she can vouch like <laughs> with what I'm about to say. I held so many things to myself. I would never speak up. I would always be silent. And it's not because of like, you know, society telling men to be quiet. It wasn't that. It's because, you know, seeing my mother being, you know, a house cleaner working several hours coming home exhausted but she just you know working so intensely just to make sure i had a good education just to make sure i had food on the table to make sure i had a roof above my head i had you know clean clothes shower i can you know brush my teeth and all this stuff she went over and beyond and being an immigrant from peru she wanted to make sure I had a better life. And so when I was going through all of my stuff, through all my bullying, in my head, I was like, I don't want to worry my mom. Like, I, I don't because mm -hmm. she's already going through so much. So why mm -hmm. am I going to add on to what she's dealing with? But she would always tell me growing up, like, mijo, just tell me what's going on. Like, I'm your friend. Just tell me. Open up. Open up. And I would just say, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I never told her anything. And there's even moments, too, like, it's it's been extreme because she she loves me so much. There was I remember one time uh, something happened, and, and I wouldn't speak up. I was just quiet, and she just couldn't take it no more. She was We were in the car, and we were driving home, and she just started driving really fast and she basically told me like if you don't tell me like we're going to crash together and that's that that's where we're going to end life and and even then like yes like yeah i was scared i was like oh my god like am i really gonna die like is my mom really that crazy i mean yes she is crazy but in, in a good way <laughs> in a good right. way but, but at that moment <laughs> i think she was crazy crazy yeah and, <laughs> and and uh you know yeah sure like i opened up a little bit i cried and i told her what was going on at that moment but i still couldn't really couldn't really just open up to her and and bro so this this is going to get crazy and i i actually have not shared this publicly but you know i think this is the right podcast because it's called focus and one thing that i lacked a lot is a lack of focus and why was mm. i lacking a lot of focus you know, I've been distracted. Mm -hmm. So what were some of my distractions growing up? Um, parties, alcohol, and even drugs. Mm -hmm. And so I remember um, 
it was it was New Year's. I think it was 2018 or 2019. I can't remember, but I went out on to a rave um, with some friends, and I think that's when I took Molly or Ecstasy, one or the other. I can't remember, and it, it was like. It wasn't my first time, like you know, I've I've been doing all that nonsense um, for a few years, but on that New Year's, uh, I took it, and when when the when the party was over and I was heading home, like something inside of me was telling me, like, yo, like stop living a lie, stop living um, a false life, you know, I I. I try to like live a life where I was trying to fit in and something with inside of me. And I don't think it was, maybe it could have been a combination of the drugs, but I think it was just like something higher being was just telling me like, yo, like you need to like essentially purge. You need to release all this BS and, and really just be honest with yourself. So I remember I called my mom at like either three or four in the morning. And I called her and I said, mom, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you. Like, please, like when I get home, can you please come out and we need to talk? And so um, she was so concerned, you know, like, what? right. For her, like, like <laughs> so late at night. Yeah. Anyways, I, I see her, I pick her up and we, and we went to like a nearby parking lot. And while I was, I guess on this high, I told my mom, everything not not of just me just only doing drugs but everything all of my non-proudest moments Mm. of my entire life i started from beginning to that current time and that's when i finally opened up you know and ever since then that i think that's when my relationship with her just became more certified that's when i did not become afraid of opening up anymore because Mm -hmm. my mom would always tell me why why continue to suppress a lot of your feelings because when you start doing that you're not able to breathe Mm. you're not able to just live you're gonna Mm -hmm. always have this heaviness and that's what i've been feeling bro i've been feeling this heaviness on my shoulders this heaviness within my chest i couldn't express myself and because i was scared but I just couldn't take it no more. I was like, I need to just let it all out. Mm-hmm. And this has been something that my mom's been like fighting for for several, several, my, my entire lifetime. And and when I was able to finally do that, I think that's what just enabled me to just be free with 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 just being open, being vulnerable. And, and that's mm-hmm. something that I now encourage with a lot of people that I meet. You know, mm-hmm. I, I you see on social media, people are so structured on being a specific way, but right, I'm, showing I'm the at, perfect, yeah. exactly. And, and I was like, you know what? Screw that! No, like no one is perfect. And, right. and, and 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 in front of my audience, I keep it raw and real. There's moments mm-hmm. where I would even break down, and I would share it with my audience, and I don't care why because I am human, and I'm trying to encourage men, especially that it is okay to have feelings it is okay to express it is okay to speak up 
Okay, the ladies are gonna love this segment. They're gonna be like, "Yeah, all these men <laughs> got to talk about their emotions now." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, let me repost this. <laughs> right. Well, that, yo, that's definitely true, my brother. And how does that translate into your music and the way you write your music and the process of you recording your music? Because I'm sure all these details go into the music, correct? Yes, indeed. So, the album that I'm working on is called Cluster. Why is it called Cluster? because I've been holding a lot of things within me and it's been a cluster within my soul, a cluster within my mind. And, you know, I'm using this album to just share my story. But the thing is, it's not, it's just, it's not just only my story. I've had the, the privilege and honor of connecting with so many souls in this world. I've heard so many stories, so many different walks of life, so many different upbringings. And I noticed there's a lot of pain in this world. Absolutely. There's there's so much pain. And people don't really have kind of like that outlet to just really just express and and, and just be heard, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and and when I go and meet a lot of these people, I'm always there to be open-minded, no judgment and just coming with love. And because of that, a lot of people were able to express, you know, what they've been through. And so with this album, I feel like we all have been clustered in one way, shape or form in life. And, And I want to encourage people to open up. And so, you know, in some of my songs, I've been, I've been kind of going really intense. Like sometimes I would purposely put myself in some really dark feelings. Why? Because I want to be authentic and genuine with, with my music, with my lyrics, with how I deliver it. When I create the compositions with the instruments, with the beat, I want people to really feel what I've kind of been through and, and hopefully people can relate and hopefully people can find peace at the end of the album Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, no definitely and when you talk about cluster uh the album um do you have a release date or are you still recording um how many songs are you thinking having on on the album yeah, so I'm I'm still recording the the okay. goals. The goal is to have twelve songs, okay. and I currently have five songs. One is fully complete. Uh, two is almost finished, and then two are in the early works. And so, um, it just it really happens randomly how I'm coming up with these songs. Whether it's a a conversation I had with someone, and then it just reminded me of something within my life, and I'm like, ooh. I want to talk about this point or any type of experience. I, I kind of want to like use that experience and tie it into like another message. So mm-hmm. I don't have a specific timeline, um, but I know that this year particularly is like where I'm really just pushing to hopefully have all 12 songs complete. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And how would you describe your music for those, uh, you know, that everyone listens to music just so <laughs> we can get uh, people out there, you know, interested in listening to, uh, to, the, to the music you offer? Uh, how would you describe your music? Confusing. 
<laughs> a that is, that's hilarious. So you know when people are trying to categorize like this is R and B, this is hip hop, yes. this is classical, whatever. Is would your would, would your music fall under any of those categories, or, or would it be a new category? It falls. It falls on all categories. That's all the thing. Okay. So explain that. Yes. So it it ties back into what I said earlier in this podcast. Me being classically trained. Mm-hmm. Um, one of our trainings was called ear training. And so what does that mean? Like we would have to listen to different genres of music and we would have to dissect how they made that song. And so I love all types of music, right? And so the songs that I currently have released on the streaming platforms, uh, you can hear hints of R&B. You can hear hints of hip hop uh a little bit of reggaeton um a little bit of salsa and a little bit of opera uh, and then i just uh recently uh, released a song uh that has rock elements with like um tagalog which is like the filipino language you know um and that also has some operatic elements in there classical elements and hip hop um, and I also made an EDM song. And so I'm creating all of these genres mm-hmm. because I want to really show off my nerdiness. Mm-hmm. I want to really show off how much I love music. And I will go and research and listen and properly make that right style with my compositions. Mm-hmm. But the my main genre that i'm trying to focus on is hip hopera mm. what is hip hopera hip hopera is a combination of both hip hop and opera i grew up singing opera so i i know 2023 do people listen to opera if we had a voting poll right now where the <laughs> entire world can vote I can guarantee you it's 0.01%. Hey, but listen to this. Maybe not everyone listens to opera, but everyone wants to get dressed like they're going to the opera because... Yes. (laughs) That's a whole different... Yeah, go ahead. Yes. No, that's real. And so... And you you bring up a really good point. People really like to dress up, look nice, to go to the opera. But now let let me ask you this. What do you think is the, you know, the demographic of who goes to operas? Mm, yeah, I, I I would say definitely um high, uh more middle age, higher middle age, um you know um yeah definitely just middle age predominantly white people. That's really what it is. Right. Do do I see Latinos going to operas? No. Do I see like any other like ethnicities? Not as much. And mm-hmm. I want I want to make opera hype. Right. And so there there are some people that uh, have been, you know, putting a little bit of operatic elements in their performances mm-hmm. uh, Two like the two top people that I can name right now that have attempted it is Beyonce and Kanye West. Mm, explain Who, how, how they do how they did. How did they so, do? That? Yeah. No, great question. So Beyonce, for example, she did this thing called Carmen. And that's like a. That's like an OG, OG type of classic where 
uh, in the opera world, we have an opera called Carmen. So they essentially were, were trying to, you know, showcase uh, hip hop in this operatic format. But it was just essentially just mostly hip hop and they were just only acting. And yes, like when you do an opera, you have to act. But that wasn't really opera in itself. Kanye West, uh, uh, in, in his recent Donda album layout, he would have Act 1, Act 2, Act 3 for, mm. like, different versions of when he released Donda. And so he would have, like, a, a storytelling and whatnot. Um, and so that is, like, operatic elements, but that's still not a true opera. And even in some of his old, old songs, like, he would use, like, maybe a female opera vocalist and she would sing in the vibrato or whatever, mm. but it, it was just, it just looped and looped and looped and looped and, 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 and didn't go further than that. Mm. And so what I'm trying to do is because I'm composing all different genres of music, I'm trying to get people's attention. I'm trying to get people to be like, Oh, yo, like that was a cool song. Right. I'm trying to make sure like I can get a hit. People are like, Oh, this is dope. Like, who is this guy? And then when I get their attention, it's like, all right, cool. Now let me really show you what I'm really trying to do. I really want to see more diversity at these opera houses. I want to show you that opera is actually pretty lit, right? And so right. when people when, when people think of like an opera, like you would have to be dressed up in a suit and everything, which is which is true, or like whatever like costume that you have for a specific role. Mm -hmm. But I what I love to do, I love to be in streetwear. And then when I bust up opera, people are always like mind blown. They're like, wait, what? He does opera? Right. I'm like, yes. And see, I'm trying to break that stigma. You know, mm. you don't have to be a specific way. You don't have to dress a specific way to do opera. You could do opera any way, any way possible. Right. Mm. So, mm -hmm. so that's essentially what I'm trying to do, man. No, definitely. Definitely. In hip hop opera, um, that's pretty much your, you invented that, correct? Correct. Yeah, because... Growing up, you know, hip hop was like my biggest thing. I loved it, and mm -hmm. I also love opera too. And so, right, I just, I just want them to both meet hand in hand, and uh, hopefully, people can accept this new genre. And so, uh, people are yeah. going to really hear what hip hop is going to sound like within this album cluster. There you go. We're looking forward to it. And if you, where can people find your music? Yes. So you can find me on all streaming platforms, mm -hmm. Apple Music, Spotify, YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Snapchat, and all like the like title, all, all those like streaming platforms under my name, Casey. How do you spell Casey? K-H-A-Y-S-I-E. Yes. And you're also celebrating 50,000 streams on your song. I'm fine. <laughs> you thought I was going to forget about that? <laughs> oh, man. That's... Yo, yeah. Talk you're about on top that. of it. Yeah. Talk about that. 50,000 streams. <laughs> yeah, man. So, yeah. Honestly, that's like the most streams I've ever had in any song. And when, when I got that notification, it, it really just blew my mind seeing where it's being played. Like, look, I'm just playing up right now. Um, obviously, a big part where my music is being streamed is the United States, but I also see Germany, Canada, UK, Colombia, Port Portugal, Sweden, France, Mexico, Nicaragua, Bangladesh, Brazil, Spain, Nigeria, like all different parts of the world. I'm like, whoa, like people are really like vibing with this. And 
it's it's exciting, man. I would have never expected to have expanded in, in, in that like global level and but 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 it's tiny. It's so small and you know, I I count my blessings for where I I'm at right now, you know. And so Yes. The, the the what I what I want to do to celebrate hitting 50k uh, streams on Spotify is um, I've been working on a music video for that song and so mm. and I'm just waiting either by tonight or tomorrow my uh, videographer is going to text me saying it's ready and I'm like oh yeah <laughs> oh you already shot it oh yes it's already been shot man so i'm just waiting for the final cut oh there you go man that's really exciting and when did you actually uh release that song yeah so i released that song if i'm not mistaken uh i believe in november december okay and you're a photographer do you still remember your first camera Oh yes, my my first camera was the Sony A7S, mm-hmm. and you know I have to give a special shout out to one of my uh, mom's clients who uh, she cleans houses for. Um, I remember I expressed my my interest and and wanted to dive into. It originally started with videography. I wanted to do videography because. I would watch a lot of YouTube and I wanted to be like a YouTuber, mm-hmm. but then how did I get into photography? It's a, it's, it's a really interesting story. I had, um, I essentially had an argument with a friend and essentially he was telling me that photography is way much more complex than videography. Mm-hmm. And I said, no, I mean, Photography, you're just only dealing with the image. Yeah, sure, the lighting, all that stuff, and you have to do the post edits. But for videography, you're also dealing with audio, with with movement and stabilization, just like way much more. So we just got an an, an argument going back and forth, back and forth. So I was like, you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut this man up, and I'm gonna like do photography, and I'm gonna prove to him that it's it is easier. Um, now quote, I'm gonna put quotations on easier. I mean, photography is not easy, but it, <laughs> it, it, it is still easier than videography. So anyways, um, the, uh, this, the client that my, that my mom works for, you know, I, I, I expressed to them my, my interest in, in photography and they were able to surprise me with that camera and that is one of like the biggest blessings ever super dope and ever since then um i just i just went at it i started uh taking pictures at my uh at my college at the university of michigan um i would i remember there's like this like really cute girl and i was like man i i want to say what's up to her but like i was so nervous i was like what's like a what's like a smooth way that i could talk to her i was like hmm Yo, what's up, girl? Like, I, like you're really beautiful. Can I, can I take a picture of you? And, and then, like, because of that, like, she was so impressed with, like, what I created, you know, with photography. And mm-hmm. then ever since then, it just, I just got so invested into just, like, taking pictures and storytelling of of people. And, and, and that's when I established so many, like, really great friendships that way. What's one of your favorite shoots that you've had as a photographer? oh my gosh um yes there is one um 
when I was in college, I was blessed to have met this young kid. His name is Juan. He is 10 years old and he was dealing with bone cancer. And during that time, this was when I lost my father um, from cancer in 2014. And so mm. in the spring of 2015, I, uh, I told myself, you know, I wanted to create an event to raise awareness to like lymphoma, leukemia, and, you know, just spread love and positivity as, and as well as diversity because um, Mich Michigan was like predominantly white. Mm -hmm. And so I essentially want to bring all student organizations all together. So when spring break came along, everyone was going to either Cancun, Miami, you know, mm -hmm. like all these warmer spots while it was snowing, it was cold in Michigan. And I decided to stay. And I told myself, you know what, uh, through the grace of God, I pray that he's going to, you know, show me someone that I can help, you know, that's dealing with cancer. And that's when I met Juan. Um, and I like took photos of him. And then with those photos, I just kind of like pitched it to like different organizations um, so that, you know, we can eventually like raise some money and, um, and, and like throw this uh, big event. It's called the Michigan Phenom Show. And mm -hmm. so that Phenom Show, like I got people of all ethnic backgrounds within that university to come and perform. So it was like America's Got Talent, essentially, you know, like you would get, <laughs> Uh, choir singing you would get dancers dancing people doing poetry light shows people were doing stuff with like yo-yos magic tricks spoken word uh, it was just so beautiful and so diverse mm -hmm. and um we were able to raise now crazy do, do you know about angel numbers uh yeah yeah definitely the all the same number pattern right like one uh, one one two 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 yes so yeah. We were able to raise two thousand two hundred and twenty-two dollars. Two 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 two. Oh wow! And uh, I know that two 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 signifies change, mm. and and change has happened. I uh, we donated all that money for you know his treatments, procedures, and I heard the best news ever. He's now cancer free. Mm. and you know seeing that photo of just him smiling when i told the news about like you know I, we were able to like raise this amount it just just warmed my heart mm -hmm. and um you know i that i, I, will, I will never forget that moment mm. yo that's wonderful because you captured that and that's a memory and then also you know, what you were able to do with those pictures and share them. And more importantly, just tell the stories that are connected with those photos. So are photos still important or is it all about short videos as we see now on Instagram and social media? <laughs> I, I think now uh, videos is the hottest thing, right? Um, so ever since, ever since TikTok essentially has been like taking over, Mm -hmm. Instagram is essentially following suit as well as YouTube has mm -hmm. been following suit. And so 
I, I kind of realized looking at the algorithm, people don't really post as many pictures now. Mm-hmm. Instead, they would put it in, you know, uh, on Instagram specifically, IG Reels. So maybe they would post a picture, but it is in IG Reel format with the audio in the background or right. whatever it may be. Or they can use pictures, but it like moves so quickly, like a compilation of photos, mm-hmm. but that like complements the tempo of the audio or stuff mm. like that. So mm-hmm. I think right now what's what's hot in 2023 is video format, but you can use pictures within that video format. Mm, there you go. You just got to stay creative. Yes. So is TikTok here to stay? Oh, TikTok is for sure here to stay. And um, I'm just really curious to see where they where they take it next because mm-hmm. it, it's still so young of a company and it's just constantly uh blowing up and you're i'm just hearing so many success stories from so many tiktokers finding careers within that platform uh from them just being at home and just using their creativity has resulted in them being able to afford a house to travel the world to have so many fans it's it's incredible and so i think the biggest question is like what's the next competitive app right yes and all these platforms are like search engines similar to google where you can literally use a hashtag and search any category and you will see a whole list of people from all over the world either you know doing something or sharing something on that specific topic that you choose and it's really interesting to see how you can connect with people from all over the world you know and and just start a conversation or be part of a conversation you know no that that is so true man and and i think the the most beautiful thing is seeing creatives being celebrated uh with different audiences Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, I actually saw this really dope uh, TikTok video, and I showed my mom recently. I don't know if they're from Argentina or whatnot, but it's like they're like construction workers or something, and they just like start like seeing like different songs from like Bruno Mars. Like this dude is like shoveling dirt, and mm-hmm. like that's kind of like a per, per percussion type of sound. Someone is like hitting this like nail, and then like this other dude is just like smashing like this big like garbage type of like can, and then this guy like has like a shovel that appears out of nowhere from the sky and he starts singing it. And, I'm, and like, it's so creative. It's so funny. And I'm like, yo, it's, it's just so beautiful to see how people can use that platform and boom, like they blew up. And now I see like, they're getting so many endorsements. I'm like, wow, for these people that, you know, are doing essentially like the nine to five job, the construction job, they're able to use their, creativity and express themselves on social media and now they're starting to get booked for not construction jobs no more but now like singing gigs or performance stuff right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah definitely the the possibilities are really endless when it comes to uh, the internet social media social networking creativity and just creating content one thing that i've noticed for sure is if there's a category, I mean, there's so many different categories that are thriving, but one that I see in particular that has dominance on online marketing and media right now is food and foodies and mm. people who can, you know, share food. And it's not just taking pictures of your food because everyone mm. seems to do that nowadays. 
but being able to tell a story through your food and being able to create content that is relative that other people are going to find interesting. So with that being said, the Bay Area where we live is obviously a place that we're seeing a lot of growth in that particular area. Um, what are some what has what has been some of your experience with the Bay Area food scene? What are some of your go to restaurants? Um, you know, what, what are you really enjoying uh, as far as the social media food scene in the Bay Area? I mean, honestly, the, the Bay Area food scene is, is popping. You know, Mm-hmm. I, I was blessed and lucky enough to meet a lot of Bay Area foodies, go to like massive uh, food events where we would maybe go to like five different restaurants, like like a little mini food tour. And like a lot of these business owners would just like accept all of us. Like we would roll in like groups of like from 25 to 30, like we would roll in deep and we would just get content. And, you know, just like really showcase uh, the type of food that they sell and to just like be at that position, like first, you know, like instead of just like paying for food, like now we're like people are giving me food for free. It's like, whoa, like this is wild. Like this is so beautiful. And I'm not going to lie, bro. Like I started seeing the value of just like content creation even before like the social media stuff like started popping off like i remember when i was in college and i didn't really have that much money i was i was so hungry and i didn't have really like money to like get myself food so i i went into like this taqueria um and i talked to the the person that was like uh, making the food i was like hey like i have no money but if i were to exchange a song for you could you give me a free meal and they thought i was like drunk because i asked this on a friday <laughs> night on a college <laughs> campus <laughs> but i was i was like so sober i was just hella hungry and right. and i sang to them and they gave me free food now if 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 someone recorded me who would have known what would have happened at that moment right yeah. and so i just knew like when you do content creation it can really go anywhere but anyways Fast forward to, like, some of my favorite spots that I like in the Bay Area. Uh, that's a tough question because, you know, I, I have different cravings every day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, uh, one of, like, my, my recent favorites, and you actually put me on, bro, is the the pupuseria spot that you uh, got me to do uh, pictures for. Mm, La Esperanza Pupuseria in San Rafael. Exactly. You know. Why, why do I like their food? Not only because their food is really good, but seeing how much passion, how much heart and soul that they put into their business. And they started that business during the pandemic, mm-hmm. during the most difficult times ever where right. customers couldn't really go out. Mm-hmm. And now they just recently celebrated their second year anniversary. Bro, that's, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's really beautiful and and you know just with what you've been doing for them too expressing their their love for food through content through social media through website development they were able to get more recognition so you know i gotta give flowers to you bro for what you're doing as well that's so beautiful and impressive
Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. You know, what's so interesting is uh, one of my, well, my first internship uh, while I was still in high school was um, at an Italian restaurant in San Rafael. It's called Arevidenci, and it's uh, a, a higher-end Italian restaurant. And uh, my first internship was there, was there because I thought at, at that time that I wanted to be a chef. And, um, you know, that's what I thought. I just really liked food at the time. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to be a chef. I just really liked food. So I, I got an internship and I go into the kitchen and it's an Italian restaurant. So I'm, I'm thinking I'm going to see a bunch of Italians and, and then I see all the chefs and they're all Mexican. Mm, and and yep. I'm, I'm like, interesting. So we have an interesting conversation. They're like, you want to be a chef? They're like, I'm like, I thought, I think maybe I want to be a chef. They were like, spend some time here with us. Let us know. Mm. So they start making their meals. They're hanging out. And then they told me, they're like, look, you have a lot, a lot of life ahead of you. He's like, this is what the chef told me. He said, you don't have to be a chef if you don't want to. You know, it's your choice if you, what you want to do. He's like, me, just telling you. you know, I'm a chef, you know, he's like, and I, you know, I work at this Italian restaurant and I love it. He's like, but I was you, I would own whatever I'm doing. So he's like, I'm mm. a chef, but if I owned the restaurant, I would be much happier, which, which was <laughs> what he was trying to explain to me. So he kind of like was inspiring me and motivating me to like, Hey, that's good, but you can do a lot better, you know, mm. and, and that's no shot to anyone who's a chef because I know a lot, I know a lot of chefs who are doing fantastic and wonderful, you know, mm. but he kind of put it in my, to, to me, you know, like, Hey, like you can do something so much bigger and greater. And it's so interesting that today in this day and age, you know, what I do for a living now is create content and help businesses. A lot of them, which are restaurants, help them grow their business with online marketing and digital marketing. So it's interesting that you mentioned that, you know, and it's literally come full circle, which mm. comes to, you know, my next question for you, which is where do you see yourself five years from now? Because, you know, everything is ever changing and we have artificial intelligence just coming, you know, which is disrupting every industry. A lot of tech companies are doing layoffs here in the yeah. Bay area, you know, due to artificial intelligence. So where do you see yourself in five years? What do you see yourself doing? I think an album is going to be out. That's for sure. For sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, shoot, bro. I mean, first off, I would love to see myself still alive. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the big one because yes. life is just so unpredictable. So, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sending good karma, positive thoughts that I'm still living. I'm still rocking. Right. Um, also, in the next five years, hopefully, instead of having like four chins, I could have two chins. <laughs> you know, just like lose weight, right? <laughs> that's essentially what I'm trying to get with. Yo, that's hilarious. <laughs> two chins. <laughs> instead of four chins, we bring it down to two. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> no, nah, but no, nah, but uh, for real, um, I I see myself in five years to really just dive deeper. with not just only my music and where more people are listening to me, but I tie in all of my, my skill sets, all of my talents with the photography, with the videography, me constantly doing like consecration where it's like a full-time thing, you know, I'm not, you know, one dimensional, but I can, I can do it all. All of my interests is all tied together where 
it's now a business where I can be a successful entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Right? That's essentially what I want to do. I storytell through my music. I storytell through my my photography, videography with like the, the the foods that I like or the foods that I want to discover. So that's that's essentially what what I visualize. And and crazy enough, man, like anything really just happens because when if you ask me that question when I was let's say 20 21 years old I'm just about to graduate from college I would say like oh yeah like I would be uh finishing up grad school at a you know a conservatory mm-hmm. in either Milan or somewhere in Germany Mm-hmm. Uh, pursuing my opera career, but right. nope, skirt. Like I ended up joining like the tech world, becoming a salesman or doing marketing, all this stuff, right? So life is so unpredictable. But no matter what, no matter what life throws at me, I still see music mm-hmm. and music in my life, God in my life, family in my life. Mm, great answers, man, and. Definitely, definitely will be here supporting you all along the way. Again, the Casey, my brother, I appreciate your time today. I appreciate all the words of wisdom. And do you have any last words for the entrepreneurs out there? Any any last words of insight or wisdom? I mean, I think the biggest wisdom is that all these entrepreneurs should tap into the Focus podcast. Talk to my boy, Eric. Get on this podcast ASAP. Don't forget, subscribe, share this podcast. Um, Aside from that, you know, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what you want to do. It's, It's all up to you in the end of the day. Your mind is so powerful. Don't let anyone change that mindset of yours. You have the will and power to do anything. And even if there's moments where you don't believe it, gravitate towards people that will uplift you. And trust me, when you do that, whether it's people, whether it's life, whether it's whatever it may be, it's going to come your way. You manifest it and it's going to be granted. And that's something that I encourage to all entrepreneurs. Never mm. give up. Have faith. Even when things seem like it's just all disastrous. If you're still breathing, if you're still living, there's a reason why. Find that why and push yourself until you can feel good. And trust me, there's other people where when they achieve that, they may not be satisfied. That's where you got to just meditate and practice gratitude. Be grateful for what you do have. He is Zakasi. I am Eric Chibi, and this is the Focus Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Peace. Let's go. Yeet.